Ephesians chapter 6. And let's go ahead and have a quick word of prayer before we get on with the rest of the message here. Heavenly Father, good to be here this morning. Thank you for the blessing of VBS. We prayed for just your hand to be upon it, and you answered, and you are faithful. I just pray, Lord, also that seeds that were planted would continue just to grow, and we say thank you for that in your name. Amen. I just encourage you to keep praying for these kids. One of the neat things they did this year with the VBS prayer calendar is that we pray during the week of VBS, but there's also things to pray for afterwards. Because so often, the way we started to focus on this out here, it's not about how many kids that come. It's about how many kids that come that go home and then tell grandma and grandpa, mom and dad, guess what I learned about? Look at what I did. That is where the real evangelism and the fruit starts to come. These kids for five days come, they hear God's word, they know Jesus loves them, and then they go home possibly to friends and family members that don't go to church, know nothing about Jesus, and they have a chance to really represent Christ to them. So we need to pray over these next couple weeks even that those seeds still continue to be planted. Uh, a couple other things here real quick before we go on. I do want to let you know, uh, we are planning a summer baptism. You know, the last couple of baptisms we've done, we've uh, done out here at church. We'd like to, in the summer, still go over to uh, Bill and Shirley Jones's house, have the baptism out in the pond, nice potluck, a, a time of outside worship. There's a couple people that are interested in getting baptized. If that's something that interests you and you're kind of praying about it, saying, should I, what does it mean? Why would I? Come talk to me about that. We'd like to get a list around and see if we can maybe get a baptism in here in August. If that's something that interests you to go deeper in your walk with Christ, please come talk to me about that. Another thing here real quick, uh, going up to Dearborn next week. And one of the things a lot of you have kind of asked some questions about that. We're still trying to figure out some details uh, about where we're going to be staying and what we're going to be doing. But it looks like that uh, at least my wife and I and the kids are going to be heading up, not this week, but next week. And we're going to be up there for a few days. If you are interested in going up to Dearborn, where you go door to door and do outreach in the Muslim communities, talk to me. Give me your name. Give me your information. And then when we finalize what we're doing, I can let you know the dates and times. Some of you talked about coming up and helping out for a few hours. I can then get you hooked up with Pastor George, who leads that up. But most importantly, keep that in prayer. We went up last year for a day, and we felt led this year to go up now for a few days, stay overnight in the community, and hopefully really represent Christ to that. So keep that in prayer. It's going to be coming up here in a couple weeks. All right, so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6. I really wanted to continue in our study in Galatians, especially since we're up to the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, but I really felt like we needed to stop and talk about this idea of the armor of God. This is what the kids have learned about all week. And we thought, maybe this is important just to stop and just do a one-time lesson of what the armor of God means and what it represents. So what we're going to do here this morning is we're going to read this. We're actually just going to do Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20, but then come back and talk about what it means, the armor of God that we've been talking about all week. So with that being said, verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication, the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. 
So that's the overview of the armor of God. Now here's the issue that we kind of run into. We fight spiritual battles. So therefore we need spiritual armor. A lot of times throughout the week the kids would come up and there was a little bit of confusion sometimes because some of the little ones thought we were talking literally breastplate of righteousness, shield, helmet of salvation. So you're trying to explain to them what it means to go out there and spiritually walk as a believer in Christ. And what you see here in verses 10 through 20 is this idea of having on the spiritual armor of God. And this is something that you should have on all the time. You know, one time when I taught on this, someone came up to me after church and said, you know, what they do is they literally get up in the morning and they, they literally pray through the armor of God. So when they get up, they'll talk about, Lord, I, I'm putting on my helmet of salvation. Help me to think about you today. Lord, I'm carrying my shield of faith. And so they said every morning they kind of pray through this. And I thought, what a neat idea. So the next time I taught through it, I shared that story about somebody praying through it and putting it on every day. Then I had another one of you come up to me after church saying, well, you know what? I don't pray to put it on every morning. I just don't take it off before I go to bed. So you know what? I can't, can't win. So what it comes down to is either this. When you get up in the morning, put it on. Or if you want to sleep in it at night, that's fine too. This makes sure that you have it on is what it comes down to. So let's talk about this. Verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. First thing you see here is strong in what? You're strong in the Lord. You're not strong in your wisdom and your talents or your abilities. You're strong in the Lord. Your wisdom, your talent, your abilities will eventually fall flat. You may have some earthly wisdom. You may be very talented. You may have many abilities. But that's nothing compared to being strong in the Lord. So the first point you see in this battle is your strength has to come from the Lord, not what you bring to the table. Next thing that you see going on here in verse 10, be strong in the Lord, but also in the power of his might. Has to be in the power of God. Now that power is a really interesting word, and I just want to build on this for a second. Keep your hand right here in Ephesians 6. Jump back to Ephesians chapter 1. Jump back to Ephesians 1. I want to show you something real quick, and we're going to be in verse 19. Verse 19 of Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 19, verse 1, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 talks about power. It says, What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. The reason I took you there, I want to show you something. Depending on your translation, if you look in verse 19, the word power is mentioned twice. If you see in verse 21, the word power is mentioned again. Now, in our English idea, that's all the same word. In the Greek, those are three different words for power. You have to understand when God talks about power in the New Testament, he has four different words for it. And each one is a different situation. The one we're used to the most, the one we talk about the most, is is a Greek word called dunamos. And the reason I mention that is where we get our English word dynamite from. And that's the power that Jesus talked about in Acts 1. We're talking about the power that will come upon you. This idea that you have this power in you of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And it's like a stick of dynamite ready to explode when God says use it. And when the Lord says use it, you go use that power of the Holy Spirit to hopefully make a difference in everything you do and say. That's the word we're most used to. The difference, though, is here in Ephesians 6, verse 10, that word power is not that word. This word for power here means power and action. Let me explain it this way. The first word, power, dunamos, that we're used to. Imagine you have a car. I'm not really a car guy, but I can respect this. 
You take a look at the engine. The engine is amazing. It is powerful. And you can hear that car rev and you just hear the noise of it. That would be the dunamis power. The power that's there. It's in you, ready to be used. The word we're looking for here today in verse 10 is the power of action. Now when you take that car, put it into gear and press the accelerator, that's the power we're talking about today. What that means is this. God has given you power to go do something. This is not the power to sit on your couch. This is the power to go. So you're supposed to put on the armor of God and then go do something. Remember Matthew 28. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Not sit and make them. Go. We talked last week in Galatians. It is called the Christian walk, not the Christian sit, not the Christian stand. It's this idea that we're supposed to be going and doing something. That's the power he's given us, the power to move to go represent him. But before you do anything, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. Now, a lot of us are willing to go do something, but we don't put on the armor of God first. We're willing to go. A few weeks ago, we were getting ready to go do a day trip, and my youngest son was so excited to go, he was ready to load up in the van in his underwear. Now, I appreciate his excitement. We got to get dressed first. We got to get shoes on first. We got to get your teeth brushed. We got to get something to eat. We have to do these things and then we're ready to go. Some of you are so willing to serve the Lord, but you're going to go serve in your underwear. Let's put on the armor of God first. Let's get ready for this. Let's get prepared for this. Because the problem is when you choose to go do things for the Lord without the armor of God, you're saying that my wisdom, my talent, my abilities is enough. Ah, no, that's a dangerous place. You need the Lord's strength. You need the Lord's power, and you need the Lord's armor of God. Why do you need the armor of God? Verse 11, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Some translations, the schemes of the devil. Satan is going to attack you. I think too often as Christians, we forget we are in a battle. So therefore, we are fighting spiritual battles. So therefore, we need spiritual items. If you're going into a physical battle, you would want the physical armor. We're in a spiritual battle, so we want the spiritual armor of God to be prepared for it. Don't ever forget that you're in a battle. You know, every time we do a baptism out here, we always say the same thing. The enemy's going to hit you. You're choosing to publicly go deeper in Christ. He's going to push back. He may push back that day, that week, that month, but he will. We had a guy that just got baptized, uh, you know, just a couple months ago. And I remember telling him, hey, he's going to push back. And the enemy didn't push back right away. It took a couple months. And then the enemy started pushing back. So that's why we need to have this armor of God, because we need to be able to stand. And look at the repetition. You're standing in verse 11, you're standing in verse 13, and you're standing in verse 14. God has called us as Christians to take a stand. We, we don't need to cower. We don't need to compromise. We need to take a stand. And so often as Christians... Instead, we do cower and compromise. We give in. No, we're supposed to stand, and the armor is there to help us take a stand against the fight that's going on. I believe it was Elijah. You know, back in the Old Testament, Elijah was being surrounded by the enemy armies, and so his servant was getting very scared about this. So Elijah just simply prayed, Lord, let him see. And his servant's eyes were open, and he saw the heavenly armies all around him. There's a battle going on that we do not see sometimes, we do not understand, we do not grasp, but we have to remember that we are in the middle of a battle, and this is what we need to be ready for. When we sign up to be a Christian, and you say to your follower of Christ, you're declaring war on the enemy, and he will fight back. So who are you fighting against? Please note verse 12. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Please note this. 
The enemy is not your coworker. The enemy is not your spouse. The enemy is not your neighbor. They're not. Know the enemy. You're in a spiritual battle. That's the enemy you're fighting. So often we get focused on flesh and blood. So you're going to work and work is very difficult because there's this coworker that's awful. So you come to me and you say, well, you pray this coworker is awful. And I'll say, is he saved? Is he a Christian? Well, no. And I'll say the same thing. You can't expect Christian behavior from non-Christian people. The enemy is not your coworker. The enemy is this person's not walking with Christ. So therefore, when you see problems at work, you see problems at home, you see problems in life, remember it's not your spouse, it's not your coworker, it's not your neighbor, they're not the enemy. You do not wrestle against flesh and blood. If you make that your focus, you're fighting the wrong battle. The battle is going to be won in the spiritual realm. Verse 12, you're fighting against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Remember that when somebody you're really struggling with, it's not them. Luke 6 says, pray for your enemy. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Pray for those who curse you. Proverbs says that we're supposed to do good to those that hate us. Now, that's a difficult thing to do. But please remember this. If this is the only point you take out of this for right now, I'm fine with that. Know who your enemy is. It's not flesh and blood. It's not a person. It's the power behind that. And we're in a spiritual battle, and we need to remember that. So we're called then to take a stand with that. Verse 13, we take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. The whole armor. Everything. We're going to go through all the pieces here in a little belt, belt, breastplate, shoes, shield, helmet, sword. The whole armor. Not parts of it. See, there's a problem. We have a tendency sometimes to only put on certain parts of the armor of God. We're supposed to put on the whole armor of God. There may be certain things that you really like. I really like God's word. I like that. So I want to put on that part. I'm going to take the sword of the spirit. I enjoy that. Well, amen. But there's other parts that I may need to say, okay, I'm weak in that area. I'm weak when it comes to maybe the shield of faith. Maybe I'm weak in the breastplate of righteousness. You need the whole armor of God. So often we have a tendency as Christians to focus on the one thing we like, maybe the one thing that we're quote unquote good with. Well, maybe it's the other areas of weakness. Because this is what I've seen in my walk with the Lord. The enemy is going to attack the areas of my weakness. He's not going to attack the areas of my strengths. So therefore, if my strength is, I don't know, going out and sharing the gospel, and my strength is God's word, he's not going to attack those areas. He's going to attack the areas that I'm weak in. If I don't have my breastplate on, he's going to attack my heart and try to lure me away with things. So remember the whole armor of God, verse 13, so that way you're able to stand. Not sit, not crawl, not whatever, stand. So with that being said, what is this armor of God? Let's talk about it. Take a look at the first part here, verse 14, the belt. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. This idea of the belt. See, now you've got to put yourself in the perspective of a few thousand years ago. These guys were wearing these long robes. When they got ready to work, they would have to pull their robes up. They would gird them, take the belt, and place that robe in there, showing that they're ready to work. So therefore, the uh, robe would not get in the way. Now, we don't do that today. We have a little phrase we like to use called, like, like, roll up your sleeves. You're getting ready to go out and do something. Get to work. And what are you working for? According to verse 14, you're working for truth, having girded your waist with truth. I I am not trying to push my agenda. I'm not trying to push what I think or feel. And I'm not focusing on the work of this world. I'm focusing on the work of truth. And remember the three truths in the Bible. Jesus, Holy Spirit, and God's word. If you put your time and energy into focusing on something that's not truth. 
it's going to be a wasted effort. Get, make sure you're working for the right things. I see so many people working to get ahead, get the nicer this, to get the nicer that. Oh, man, that stuff just burns. Focus on the truth of who Jesus is and work for that. So your first thing you see is you get the belt on. You're getting ready to work. Next one, verse 14, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Breastplate, what does it do? It protects these vital organs, your heart, your lungs, your etc. You're protecting what is important. Where your heart is, your body will follow. So therefore, if my heart is not protected, I'm going to allow my heart to get into things that shouldn't. So therefore, if my heart wants to wander to images and lusts that it shouldn't, guess where my body's going to follow? If my heart wants to go enjoy physical things that I shouldn't, guess where my body is going to follow? If that's what I focus on, if that's what my heart thinks about, and my heart wants, oh, it would be so great to have this or that, my body will follow. That's why God says, protect your vital organs and keep your heart focused on the Lord. Remember when Jesus summed up the entire law, Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Because where your heart is, your body follows. Most of the time, when I see men and women of the Lord start to stray off a solid Christian walk, it's why their heart got caught up in other things. The world started becoming really tempting and desirous and fun. And so the heart went that way and the body followed immediately. What happens next then? You're supposed to put the shoes on. Verse 15, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You're putting shoes on. Why? Because you're going to go do something. I don't know about you. First thing I do when I get home is I like to take my shoes off. I've reached the point now where I've gotten older. I go to Bible states at people's houses. I'm just going to take my shoes off. I'm sometimes working out here by myself. I take my shoes off. So why? I'm just going to relax. So when the idea of putting your shoes on, you're going to go do something. You're going to go walk somewhere. You're going to go do something. The idea is not put on the armor of God and sit on your couch and do nothing. But that's what we do a lot of times as believers, is we get all armored up to sit and do nothing. Make sure it's spirit-led. Make sure it's of the Lord. But remember, you're called to go. That first Greek word then of power, power and action. So you put the shoes on because you're going to go walk and what? In verse 15, tell people about the gospel. Boy, that's all that matters. The longer I walk with the Lord, the more I realize, listen, it's not about numbers, attention, glory, whatever. Is is that person saved? If that person's saved, amen, then let's encourage them to go deeper in Christ. If that person's not saved, then I want to represent Jesus to them. So God has given us shoes to put the shoes on to go get out, spread the gospel. And remember, the word gospel means good news. But as you're going out to do that, guess what's going to happen? Verse 16, you're going to get shot at. That's why God's given you a shield, shield of faith. And shield of faith, faith is something that we do not see, we do not fully grasp, maybe we do not fully understand. In faith, we do these things. Because why, once again, verse 16, there's fiery darts coming at you all over the place. I don't know what your fiery dart is. A fiery dart of pride to pull you down, fiery dart of lust, the fiery dart of pornography, drinking, I don't know what it is. But there's a fiery dart that's coming right at you. Fiery dart of quitting, giving up got the shield of faith if you don't have the shield of faith those darts are just going to hit and stick as they hit and stick guess what you're going to focus on we got to be careful with this this is why we have to put on the full armor of god you got to walk in faith sometimes it's hard to walk in faith because you start thinking and analyzing and wondering I, I, as i mentioned to you here in a couple weeks we're, we're going to head up to head up to dearborn 
We went up last year for a day and loved it. Just, I just really felt like there was a lot of fruit that came out of that. And Lord, what a great opportunity to go represent you to the Muslims that are dying and going to go to hell because they don't understand who Jesus Christ is. So let's go. Let's go door to door, etc. So this year we decided we're going to go up. My wife and the kids and I were going to go stay overnight and spend some time up there. So what happened was it was hard to find a place to go stay. I mentioned this in a Wednesday message a couple weeks ago. So I started looking at hotels in Dearborn and, you know, found some hotels. They're like 50 bucks a night, as long as you don't mind bed bugs and lice and all that other type of stuff. So I thought, okay, that's, that's not really going to work for us. So I was talking to Pastor George, who leads up this ministry, and he goes, is there anybody in church that has a camper that you could borrow? I said, I'll do some checking. So I checked with somebody. She was nice enough to let us borrow the camper, so we're going to take the camper up. So then we started looking at the nearest campsites to Dearborn. We find one, I don't know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes away. That's not bad. We'll just kind of drive in and out. So George calls me up this week and says, hey, I, I think I got permission for you to camp right at the church that, that we're, we're going to be kind of centering the outreach from the church that we were at last week. So I, I'm, that's part of the reason why we're kind of waiting here to finalize everything. I'm going to try to talk to the pastor and find out if he's okay with it. So George is excited. My wife's excited. The boys are excited. We're going to camp right there. I'm the one saying, well, hold on, wait a second. We're, we're, we're camping in the middle of Dearborn? Middle of Dearborn. That's where we're going to just put a pop-up camper right there in the middle of town in some church parking lot. In the middle of a predominantly Muslim area that we're going door-to-door in to tell them they're wrong. <laughs> this, this is not very smart right here. And Dawn's excited. George is excited. The boys are excited. People come up to me and they said, do you get nervous about going door-to-door? I'm going to be honest. No, I, I'm not nervous. I, I, I love the outreach part of it. You know what I'm nervous about? Driving a camper through metropolitan Detroit and setting it up in the middle of Dearborn. That's what I'm nervous about. The door-to-door is easy. You know, it's the other junk. So I, I'm, going, I'm wondering, is this okay? So I asked George, what are you doing? Well, he's staying in a nice hotel. So, you know, it's like, what's going on here? So it's the shield of faith. It's the shield of faith. It's like, okay, Lord, you led us to do this. You've, I believe you've called us to do this. Uh, fiery darts are coming. And it's like, okay, what am I going to believe and trust in? And I'm just telling you right now, all of you have some type of fiery dart that's coming at you. Like I said, it may be sin. It may be a, a something you're battling, something you're facing, and you're losing, and those darts keep hitting you. It may be not an action. It may be a thought life. It may be hatred, unforgiveness, bitterness, fear, worry, anxiety. I don't know. I just know that if you're a born-again believer in Jesus trying to go deeper, verse 16, you're getting shot at. I know that. And that's why God has given you a shield of faith. Faith is I don't see it. I don't get it. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. But I walk in it. One of my favorite examples of faith in the Bible is the crossing of the Red Sea versus the crossing of the Jordan. If you remember that from the Old Testament. When they came up to the Red Sea, here they are being chased down by the Egyptian army. And so they literally crossed the Red Sea on dry land, the Bible says. What an amazing thing that would have been to see. So they crossed the Red Sea on dry land. Now when they get ready to cross the Jordan later on in the book of Joshua, God doesn't part the Jordan. What he does, he says, go have the priests go step their foot in the water. And when they put their foot in the water in faith, then the Jordan will cross. Now, to me, that shows a lot in my life. Sometimes the Red Sea just parts. And it happens before I get there. You see it all coming together. And it's like, wow, Lord, this is amazing. There's other times where in faith, I got to get my foot wet. So if the Lord has called you to do something, it's wonderful when he works it all out before you even take a step. But there's other times you got to get your foot wet. And that's where you take the shield of faith.
What happens next? Verse 17, helmet of salvation. What do you think about? What do you dwell on? Because where we said earlier, where your heart is, your body will follow. I'm going to throw another one there. It's where your mind is, your body will follow. So if your mind is all day thinking about that, guess what you're going to want to do is that. And I don't know what that is. It could be something completely, utterly unbiblical. But you just think about it all day, and it just starts sounding better and good. And you know when I talk to someone, it's like, well, that's all I think about. It's such a struggle. Because you don't have the helmet of salvation on. When you have the helmet of salvation on, guess what you're thinking about? Salvation. Jesus died for that sin. Why would I want to go there? Think about what the Lord has done for me. You know, Colossians 3, 2 is a great verse. Set your mind on things above not on things of this earth. What would happen if that's what we would just do? Set our mind on things above. So when I'm going somewhere, I'm thinking about heaven. I'm thinking about how to minister to people. I run into somebody and think about how I should pray for them. I'm thinking about what I read in devotions. I'm thinking about what Jesus did for me. And I'm at work. Yes, I'm working and working as if for the Lord. But maybe I'm praying for my kids and praying for my spouse. I'm thinking on heavenly things. I choose to surround myself with the music that is going to bless me and encourage me. Teachings, messages, I don't know. What would happen if we took Colossians 3, 2 and said, I'm just going to do that. Set my mind on heavenly things. But so often when I go and ask people, how's it going? They want to talk about how awful work is. They want to talk about how bad their car is. They want to talk about how bad their health is, how rough their house is. And I get it. Sometimes there's rough areas and we need prayer for that. And I'm all in favor of encouragement. But what would happen if we'd stop and say, what's God doing in your life right now? What's the helmet of salvation? What are you thinking on and dwelling on? Because I'm telling you, if you're constantly thinking and dwelling on everything that's wrong and work and life and health, where your mind is, your body follows. If you're constantly thinking about, I just want to get out. I want to get out of this relationship. I want to get out of this life. I want to go enjoy this. That's where your body's going to want to go. But if you stop and say, no, Lord, I'm focusing on you. Focusing on you. I'm thinking on you. That's what you're going to be dwelling on. What about the last one here? Verse 17, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Only offensive weapon that they gave us. We're supposed to be on the attack. So often I see Christians on the defense. There is a time of defense. I get that. We've got to take a stand. But there's also times where we've got to get out there and say, I'm leading the charge here for truth. Taking a stand for what's right. Once again, there's a lot of people that are willing to cower. They're willing to compromise. But are we willing to take a stand for what's right? Let's just keep it really simple. If the Bible says it's right, it's right. If the Bible says it's wrong, it's wrong. That's, that's just what's keep it that way. So therefore, we can take a stand for truth because we know what's right and we know what's wrong. And this idea of the sword, God's word. There's so many great passages on God's word. It's hard to choose just one. I'm just going to go to one of my favorite ones. Will you go with me to Joshua chapter 1, please? Joshua 1. I love this passage here in Joshua chapter 1 about God's word and just the beauty of it. Joshua 1, verse 7. Joshua 1, verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you have good success. All right. This is the simplicity that I have in my mind. 
what would happen if we just did verses 7 and 8? What would happen if we just did verse 7 and said, okay, I'm going to observe everything that the law says to do. I'm going to observe what the Bible says. I'm not going to turn from the right hand or the left hand. If God says it's wrong, it's wrong. If God says it's right, it's right. I'm going to do verse 8. I'm not going to let the book of law depart from my mouth. I will meditate on it day and night. That does not mean I just get up and I start quoting scriptures 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. It means I get up and I get in the word. And I think about that devotional for the rest of the day. I, when I'm at work, I'm praying for people. I'm thinking about how God's word would want me to handle it. So I'm waiting in line at Walmart and there's something really stressful, bad going on. I stop and I say, wait a second, God's word tells me that God is sovereign. So therefore, since I am quote unquote running late, the Lord knows that, why am I going to get worked up? So that person is being very rude and very discouraging, whatever. Well, you know, the Lord says I'm just supposed to love him and pray for him. So I'm just going to do what God's word says. What would happen if we'd actually just do that? If we would take this passage and the Colossians 3, 2 passage about set your mind on heavenly things. And so I'm just going to think about the Lord and heaven and pray for people and God's word. All of a sudden, if that's where my mind is and that's where my heart is, that's where my body will follow. The problem is I'm a very selfish person. I want to think about what I want to think about. I sometimes want to focus on the flesh because it feels good for a brief moment. There's sometimes I just want to be spiritually lazy. And guess what happens when those things happen? I go down a path as that is not good. And then I wonder, how did I get to this? Well, I took my helmet of salvation off. And I took my breastplate of righteousness off. I allowed my heart and my head to be open to the fiery darts of the wicked one. And it took me down a path that I do not want to go. Let's go back and let's finish this up. Look at the last thing that they say here. Verse 18 is then you cover it all with prayer. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. you got to cover it in prayer. You know, last Sunday we met for prayer in the evening, and thanks to those that could make it out, and we'll be doing more of those. Book of Acts says the church just got together and prayed. Let's just pray for people. There's a reason why we lift up prayer requests. There's a reason why we have a prayer chain and a prayer line. You may not know these people. You may have never even met them, but you can pray for them. And as we try to mention out here many times before, not everybody can serve at VBS, but everybody can pray for it. Not everybody's called to serve at the back-to-school giveaway, the prayer chain, the prison outreach coming up in September, Dearborn. We can just you know, check them all off. But you can pray for them. And you can be part of the body of Christ that's giving it over to the Lord. So therefore, there's a church event. You really want to go, but you're doing 12 hours at work. Yeah, but you're also doing 12 hours of prayer for us. Thank you for that. And that's what we need to focus on there is, okay, Lord, I'm going to keep giving it over to you. And what are we praying for? Verses 19 and 20, the word is mentioned twice boldly. The word bold means absence of fear. Lord, give us a boldness to go represent you and stand for you. And how can I be bold and have an absence of fear? Because I have on the full armor of God. I am protected in him. So therefore, since I am protected in him, what can man do to me? What can the enemy do to me? He wants to shoot fiery darts. I got my shield. He wants to try to hit me. I got my armor. And I got a sword to fight back. But when you decide to not put on the full armor of God, you're opening yourself up to issues. Or if you decide to put on the full armor of God and just do nothing, then why am I even doing it? God has asked us to put it on and then go in his spirit and his power and his might and go represent him in all that we say and all that we do. Worship team, if you want to come forward here for the final song. Hey, let's pray this into our lives. Lord,